I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose, and I have a great episode for you. Today, I'm talking to Nicole, who called because she noticed that when she trains for runs, uh, extensive runs, like half marathons, and now she's training for a full marathon, that she tends to gain weight. And she has the hypothesis that it's because she needs to eat more carbs during her training in order to fuel her workouts, but that for some reason it's causing her to put on extra pounds. And we go through this, whether or not that's actually true, we decide it is, and come up with a, a bunch of insights for her. So for starters, that if you've never done any extensive running or training it might seem weird to you that you'd be like clocking tons of hours doing cardio and gain weight, but it totally happens. It, ha- it happened to me when I ran marathons. It was shocking. <laughs> you know, I, I thought I was going to lose weight, but I gained five pounds during my first marathon. And the reason that happens typically is because when you do exercise, more exercise, and particularly very strenuous exercise where you're really depleting yourself, you eat more, you are hungry. And so Nicole and I go through her regimen and what she's doing and discover a whole bunch of interesting things that are causing her to overeat. And it's funny because it ends up being not at all what she thinks it is, which was the carbs, but uh, something that happens to her when she works out a lot and then she (laughs) doesn't realize how much she's eating. So there's a ton of insights in here. So if you're the type of person who trains a lot and works out a lot and can't seem to get the balance right with nutrition coming in so that you get enough fuel for your workouts and you're feeling like you're giving your body what it needs, but you don't want to overdo it. And that's a really subtle and difficult thing to balance because when you're like, (laughs) <laughs> what she call it? she calls it in the episode like rungry like when you're when you're very very hungry as a result of your training then it's very difficult to stop eating so this episode is very educational for those of you who train a lot and particularly if you also find that when you train a lot you tend to eat more and gain weight and you want insights and strategies as to how to mitigate that so that all your needs are met and yet you're not undermining your other health goals and Vanity goals even, and that's okay sometimes. So have a listen and enjoy. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. Did you know that 97% of the beef for sale in the U.S. is grain-fed and processed in feedlots? Because of the crowded and often filthy conditions, these cattle are fed antibiotics to help prevent the spread of disease. It's also terrible for the environment. That's why, personally, I only eat meat that is grass-fed and humanely raised. Unfortunately, 100% grass-fed and humanely raised meat can be pretty hard to find, and that is why I love ButcherBox. ButcherBox sources the best meat from all over the world and delivers it directly to your door. They guarantee that the beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and never taken from feedlots. All their products, including their chicken and pork, which is especially hard to find uh, good quality pork, uh, are free of antibiotics and hormones. Plus, all their animals are humanely raised and enjoy free range. With ButcherBox, you have the peace of mind that you're eating healthy meat that is good for your body and responsibly raised. Order today and get $10 off plus some free bacon in your first box. Go to butcherbox.com foodist and enter the promo code tomato. And I can tell you from experience, their bacon is to die for, like super, super stellar. 
You'll also get free shipping in the continental United States and fabulous step-by-step recipes with every box. If you've been following my work for a while, you know how rarely it is that I promote products. That's because I only share things with you that I personally believe in and use. ButcherBox is one of those rare unicorns, and I'm thrilled to be able to share them with you today. Again, to sign up, go to butcherbox.com slash foodist and enter the promo code tomato to receive $10 off and free bacon in your first box. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What's going on? What can I help with? Uh, Let's see. So I'm generally a healthy person. My mom's a vegan. I grew up in a home where fruits and vegetables were really important. I was actually a vegan as a kid for two years because of her influence. Uh, later, as an adult, I revisited vegetarianism. Um, so it's not the case that I like have tendencies to eat fast food or like I don't go to the movie theater and think like every time I get popcorn. I also work out a lot, but recently uh, I've really gotten into running. I actually have entry into the New York Marathon for 2017. Exciting. Yeah, I'm very excited and and nervous, appropriately nervous. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that whenever I train for races, I eat more bread or more carbs, that type of thing, because that's what makes me feel good during the race. But then I gain weight in in a way that is not like muscle weight. Like I would be, I'm not so attached to like a number, but it's, I can tell that I don't, look as good as when I'm not running and I'm just like strength training or doing bar classes or yoga. Like, cause in those situations, I don't really eat much bread at all. Like, and I don't, I just kind of cut it out cause it doesn't make me look or feel good, but it does make me feel good when I run. But then I have that downside of, I ran the Brooklyn half last year and I was really proud of my time. I, you know, for me, I did a great job and I saw the pictures, and if I'm being totally honest, I cringed. I was like, oh, that's that's what I looked like running that. And I felt really strong. Like, I did a good job based on, like, my goals and, like, how I've run other races. But when I saw myself, I was like, okay, like, there's got to be a better way to get here. You know, for the record, everybody looks terrible in those pictures. <laughs> I mean, besides the like, like super, super skinny Olympian marathoners, like, like it's like kind of the same as like ballerinas, like nobody looks good and tiny and pink tights and a black leotard. It's just not flattering. But the funny thing there is I have a have like a favorite outfit that I wear for races and I ran a 5k maybe like 10 months before that. And I hadn't really been running. I was injured. So it was like my first race back and I'm in the exact same outfit. Cause it's, I guess my go-to race outfit. And cause I hadn't been running and was only running three miles. It's like, I wasn't building up. I didn't need to carb load. It's the same outfit, also a race photo. And I think I look okay. Like Uh-oh. it's like, I don't data. So not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> data. So it's, Cause I thought that too. I was like, well, maybe you just burn those tank top and shorts and like wash your hands of this issue. But like, it's real, you know, it's not just the race photo. Of course, it's like photos from that time. Yeah. Can I, is this in your, where are you gaining the weight? Um, mostly like my, it's like I'm putting on an inner tube. So midway, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. And maybe, yeah, maybe a little thighs and butt, but not, I'm pretty lanky. Okay. Like for visual. So like, but probably mostly like that inner tube area. Okay. So it's not just leg muscles we're talking about. No, no, no. And so, okay. So you, 
have started running. How long ago did you start like seriously training? Like probably like for the last two years, but on and off. Okay, and ha- and you're running how many miles a week? Um, it it varies. So like when we lead up, when I'm leading up now to a race, I'm running a ten miler in DC in April. So I'll be doing like, you know, not a super long run each week, but like considerable, a run that I will need to like eat breakfast before. Uh, and that breakfast will be a carb. So I'll probably be running like between like about 20 miles a week, okay. maybe more, and much more when the marathon comes. Right. And so you're, you're running a lot and you know you're eating more carbs because you're using it for fuel. This is intentional. But, yeah. there, but you find that, that something is causing weight gain. Yes. Are you like carbs is very vague. And yeah. What, can you give me more an idea, an idea yeah. of what you're eating more of and how much more? Sure. So like generally speaking, I wouldn't eat that many carbs, period. So like before. Can you, can you, I, mean, can you tell me what you mean by carbs? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean like fruit. I mean like, like pasta or pieces of toast or my go-to before a run is an English muffin. So flour and sugar. Yeah. Mainly yeah. flour. Mainly flour. Okay. So refined carbs, not just carbs. Yes. Okay. And I know for me, if I want to like look and feel good, cutting those out is like a really great way for me to get there. I know some people like, and I'm sure like part of it is like, uh, like, you know, when you approaching like food changes, like I'm not a moderator, I'm an abstainer. Like, like I, it's hard to dabble. So I'm sure part of it is I'm, maybe I'm eating too much of it. But even when I'm like aware and mindful about it, I still feel like there are those changes. And I like, you know, when you're running a far distance, like a piece of toast is not big enough breakfast. Right. So what do you have? So I probably have like two pieces of toast or like an English muffin and maybe like an hour later a cliff bar or something like that. Because when I eat eggs for breakfast and run, it doesn't feel great. And I don't feel like I have that same energy. And the run just, I like running. I'm not running because someone's chasing me or because like I need to lose a lot of weight. And I think that's the way I run because I like it. And then when I'm not feel properly, running does not feel fun. And it kind of strips me of that. Yeah. You're making, you're having to make a tough choice between looking the way you want to look and doing what you love. Yeah. Because if I were to run for like the sake of running and like forget any visual I'm like, of course, I'd have pasta the night before, bread in the morning, and like refuel with whatever felt good. But like another layer is I'm getting married in June. So I'm like hyper aware of like <laughs> of, of photos and things like that. And like, so like, you know, there are like for the Brooklyn half, I was like, great, you know what, Nicole? Like, no one can take away your time from you. Like, like it's great. Like, who cares what you look like? And I was able to feel that way. But now I'm like, I won't have to truly train for the marathon until after the wedding, but like, I'm going to be running like, and I don't want to take that away. It's something I love sure. because I'm self-conscious that I will feel like not the way I won't look the way I want to look. Is that it? Is that all that bread you're eating is two pieces of toast in the morning before a run? No, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's also me. Like, so for example, like I, if you're in New York or if San Francisco, like I love Barry's boot camp. And uh, before, you know, so I go after work on some days and I'll think like, you know, it'll get to be like 530 or six and the class is at 640. And I'll be like, you know what? Like, I really just need pretzels. I need to eat a bag of pretzels before I go because like, I know that what I've just had like an apple before 
like obviously I eat breakfast and lunch and I have snacks, but like in that like afternoon snacky time, if I don't have something then, and it, it like slowly adds up and it becomes like a behavior where I like qualify the need for these foods based on this. And I'm not sure like what the, maybe it's that I'm just not sure what the right amount is or when I should be having it or like, because I feel like the only thing that I really know is that the absence of it makes me feel bad. And I don't often feel like I've eaten too much bread during a run. Like I don't ever notice the negatives, but I do notice the negatives of not doing it. Got it. Got it. So you definitely fuel wise, it's the, it's a, it's a, it's a fuel source that your body really prefers. Yeah. Really, It feels that way right now. Yeah. And you work out, so you, it's not just the running, it's also your other workout regimen. Well, so Barry's is not, sorry, I should qualify. Barry's is a work, Barry's Bootcamp is a workout where it's half on a treadmill and half weights. So like, and it's all sprinting when you're on the treadmill. So like, you're really calling upon yourself to like, all of a sudden give a lot of energy. Right. But you'd be doing that even if you weren't running marathons, right? I would be doing that if I wasn't running marathons, but I wouldn't be so hard on myself about it. Like I would be, I would, you know, like I wouldn't do it as often. Like it's part of the regiment, like for me. I see. So it's part of your training. Yeah. You're trying to like build up your VO2 max or something like that. Yes. Your, yes. your cardio fitness. Got it. So you're doing, you're working out really hard. You are certain to fuel beforehand. And what are you eating after your workouts? I'm not like super, I'm not super intentional about it. Like I'm less concerned with what I eat after. Like I definitely like have a meal, like if it's dinner time or if it's breakfast, whatever, you know, whatever I'm doing the run, but I don't have a lot of intention or thought. Like I can't even answer the question because it's not something I do in a, in a mindful way. Interesting. Because like listening to you talk, two pieces of bread, I mean, I don't know how big they are, but I'm assuming they're normal <laughs> sized pieces of bread. And you're going on like a six mile run, like that's not causing weight gain. Right. I would agree. The reason a hardcore aerobic exercise causes weight gain is because it makes you more hungry. You subconsciously eat more afterwards. Mm. And it sounds like you don't even know what you're eating afterward. So that's not a great sign. <laughs> Right. You're almost certainly, that's almost certainly the problem and not the flour or like that's it, it, assuming you're, you're do, talking about the small amounts of snack before your workouts. Well, I'd also eat like not every time, but it's not uncommon if it's a longer run to have like pasta the night before, which is not something I normally would have. I don't even really like pasta that much, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I know that I feel better when I have had it. I, I see. And and what it's still though, you know what I mean? Yeah, it seems like that shouldn't be enough. It shouldn't be enough. Peep, there's a, an entire country that people eat pasta every single day, and they're not. They have better portion control. I think might be part of the issue. Okay, so that that's something you can work on for sure. Like with a because it, it sounds like I mean, you, obviously, I used to run. You don't. You're not. I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're not like gorging yourself on bread before the race or before your training. No, not. Not in the morning. Like, not, like, right, not in the morning, yeah. not immediately before your training, right. but the night before maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe it's portions. Maybe like I'm not, maybe I'm thinking that it's, not that I think it's a free pass. Because I'm before the run, I'm very conscious because I don't want to feel sick on the run. Like that's the only time I think where I'm able to really say to myself, like stop eating here, don't eat that, don't eat this. I can't have peanut butter before a run. I know that doesn't make me feel good. 
after a run, I'm like very hungry and probably like able to qualify like larger portions or like different foods that I maybe don't need thinking I deserve them. Like, mm. I don't know. That sounds more likely the case to me. And it also sounds like you're not a very mindful eater if you no. aren't aware of what you're eating <laughs> or, and you are incapable of, uh, you're an, an abstainer. I, I like, that's like from Gretchen Rubin's paradigm, right? Yeah. So yeah. when I hear that, I'll hear to somebody who doesn't eat mindfully <laughs> that's, yeah. because it's, if you don't have the, the, awareness and self-control to eat, to, to stop eating when you're no longer hungry, then that's a symptom of just a lack of awareness. Yeah. I guess I don't know how to get there because I feel like sometimes when I think I'm not hungry and I stop eating, then I'm just hungry later with like not the resources of having lunch in front of me anymore. Got if it. That makes, like, yeah. Cuz I think it is easy for me to not easy. It is doable for me to say, okay, like I don't need any more of this salad that I've had. But then like in an hour, the salad is in the garbage and you know, my office snacks are my choices and those aren't like the best option. Yeah, yeah. So, you don't know yet because you've never really taken this approach. Okay. So, there are a couple of things you can do. Like on the on one front, you can make sure that I'm not sure exactly what you're eating, but the components of your meal is going to have a lot to do with how satisfying it is. So specifically protein and fat slow down digestion and Mm -hmm. are more satisfying for like a longer amount of time. So it makes sense to me that if you're having a salad and you stop early, you would be more likely to be hungry sooner rather than later, unless it, it was a pretty significantly protein heavy salad. Does that make sense? Yes. Another thing is mindfulness. So, and, and it sounds like you don't know how to start and I can get to that in a second, but mindful eating is a practice that you can work on and it's just a skill that you can develop by practice. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it does is you, it helps you focus on the experience of eating So you focus on the flavors, the textures, the mechanics of chewing, things like that. And for some miraculous reason (laughs) that I, I have an idea of why it works, but, but I haven't seen a good explanation scientifically, but for some reason it makes, well, it makes food more satisfying, but it, for some reason it also makes people feel full longer, Huh? which is crazy and really interesting. Maybe because the the feeling of eating is more memorable. So like you feel like you're maybe. able to say like I ate. Yeah. Um, or maybe just from chewing more, like your body ooh. is absorbing more nutrients. I don't know. I don't know. But this is something it's, I've experienced it personally. And I've spoken to dozens of people who've had the same experience. Actually, uh, another podcast guest that isn't published yet is going to talk about this with me <laughs> soon. <laughs> uh, so... That is something that I think could potentially be incredibly impactful for you because here's the thing. Food volume Mm -hmm. is like the most subtle way of undermining anybody's weight loss efforts. And the reason is because our eyes are terrible at judging how big food is. So when we look at a small portion and we look at or let's say you look at one portion and it's like pretty normal. If you look at a portion that's literally double that size, your eyes will think it's like 30% bigger or maybe 50% bigger. It won't, it won't register it. We don't compute volume properly when we look at it. So 
people are almost always eating more than they believe. And especially now in like our environment where everything is too big. Like the normal portion is no longer normal. Right. This is why mindful eating is so powerful, right? Because it's hard to go to a restaurant and get them to serve you less. It takes a lot of willpower to just say, I'm not, I'm going to stop eating when I know what it feels like after a run or after a hard work, like you're starving and you just like eat quickly and eat everything on your plate. Like <laughs> I've yeah, been yeah. there a times. So mindfulness can be really powerful because it can force you to slow down and get you that portion control that you need. And probably it sounds like you want without a lot of willpower and without suffering and feeling deprived. Right. Okay. And you can do that. You don't have to be eating. This might be a dumb question, but you don't have to be eating by yourself to do that, right? Like you do that when other people are there. Like you like quietly think to yourself what you're about chewing and that sort of thing. Yeah. Great question. So, so I have a program that'll teach you how to do this. (laughs) It's free. It it lasts five days. It's called the mindful meal challenge. And so you can, you can go to summer tomato and read about it, but essentially I recommend you practice mindful eating alone. Mm -hmm. Ideally once a day, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously when you first start, I challenge you to do it every single day for five days. Obviously at some point, like you can have flexibility if you're on vacation or whatever, you don't have to do this, but what happens is if you, it's, it's, it's mindfulness, the way it works is like, it's a paradox, right? Like if you're mindless, by definition, you don't know it, right? By definition, you mm-hmm. don't realize that you're like right, in this yes. state. And so you're not being mindful. And it's difficult when you're in that mindless state to snap out of it. Like you need something to remind you, like a trigger of some sort. And so relying on this to spontaneously occur is a recipe for failure. Like it's, it's almost impossible. It can happen sometimes, but it's really difficult. So, but what happens if you practice in these moments that are set up for ideal mindfulness, you know, where it's quiet and you're by yourself and you're sitting and you've decided already to focus this entire meal on eating and not look at your phone or whatever, you develop the habit of becoming aware when your brain starts wandering away or when you start eating really fast or when you start sort of breaking out of the mindful and into mindlessness. And w- once you get some practice doing that solo, it starts trickling into your other meals by like default. Cause you're, you're, you're establishing a habit in your own brain, like a mental habit. Right. So yeah. So if you go to mindful meal challenge, then you can like learn that. But I, for you, I think that would be a really big. Yeah, that's, I'm, yeah, it's it's probably that. I'm a big like you're you're talking about an abstainer versus moderator. Like if there's a bread bowl on the table, I'll either have no bread or the entire bowl. So there's not like a like maybe that would yeah. That has to help. I mean that ha- it, it can hurt like for to be more aware of that. Cuz I must not be enjoying it cuz nobody needs a bread bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean at least not as often as what is presented of Red Bull. Yeah. 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 I think that's probably a big one. And, you know, there are ways you can be mindful of your portions as well. I mean, now that you are aware, like, cause like I said, I don't, it doesn't make sense. And I am highly suspicious that if you're running that much, if you're actually doing that much exercise, two pieces of bread is not your problem, especially if it's immediately before your workout and you're, and you can feel if that you're using it for fuel. Right. 
But it's well established in the scientific literature that exercise makes people hungry and makes them eat more unconsciously. So bringing consciousness to your portions and to your eating patterns can help you moderate that. Because like, obviously you don't need to eat that much if you're gaining weight while, while training. Right. Because it's, it's hard to figure out. So like if I'm running a shorter race, like I can kind of keep it in check because like, you know, I'm not running for so long. Like I'm not as hungry. I don't feel like I will suffer without it. And I'm like, the marathon is very scary to me for a number of reasons, but like food wise, because it's this uncharted territory where I'm going to have to have energy for like, you know, movement for a longer period of time than I've ever done. So this idea of like, because I think the idea of like waiting till you're full, obviously, like maybe if I had that answer, I would have, this will give me like all of the answers. But like, I don't know, like, like maybe two pieces of toast is not enough before like a certain type of run or maybe like, you know, maybe like, and then maybe that's why I'm so hungry after the run is because I didn't do a good job before, you know, like from maybe like the mindfulness will be able to empower me to like not have to guess when I'm hungry. Cause maybe there's no like set answer. Like maybe there's not like a num- number of pieces of bread that's right or wrong. That's absolutely right. That's, that's a really good point. So yeah, as your training increases, your fuel needs are going to change. And for me, when I was running, the the balance was always like, how much can I, how much like carbohydrate can I eat before getting sick? <laughs> you know, because like if I would eat like too much, then I wouldn't right. be able to run because I would get like stomach cramps from right. from having too much food in my stomach. And I I definitely use those like disgusting goo, yes, like yes. gel things that are so nasty, just to get through those races. And yeah, I think that's that's all stuff that you're going to have to figure out in your in your training. And that's fine. That that shouldn't be a problem because by definition you're you're using those calories. The issue is the mindfulness. And and you know what's interesting is I I talk about this in the mindful meal challenge as well, but it's worth noting now that the point of mindfulness isn't necessarily determining when you're full. Okay. You just naturally stop eating because you stop feeling like eating. Huh. It's a subtle difference, but you're not actively paying attention to your stomach. You're actively paying attention to the food and the experience of eating. It's not like a constant, like taking the temperature of full. It's exactly. like, got it. Exactly. You get, you, yeah. If you, when you eat slow and you're, you're chewing and at some point you're just like, you know, I don't need this anymore. And it's not because you're thinking, oop, I've crossed the line. <laughs> now I'm not yeah. quite, now I'm 80% full. Now it's time to stop. Right. Right. I guess. I guess there's, I should definitely try that. And then the idea is like, make sure my meals are like on paper satiating enough that my fullness is correct. Like meaning like my like senses are correct. Cause like, you know, I'll go to like just salad, one of those like salad places and get that like giant thing of salad. And then like halfway through it, I feel full maybe cause I'm bored of the salad you know, but the salad's not just lettuce. There's protein in there. There's like, usually I have like avocado and eggs and that kind of thing. But then I'm still like, I'm definitely not eating it mindfully. I'm definitely eating it at my desk, but, uh, I feel full and I stop eating it. And then like an hour and a half later, I'm like, what kind of chips are there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this, and once you have done some of these experiments, you can start mm-hmm. to figure that out. So maybe salad isn't the best choice on training days. 
right. for instance. Maybe you just need to get an extra egg in your salad on training days. Maybe maybe you should eat your whole salad on training days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe you should right. just force right. yourself to eat your whole salad or whatever. And also maybe you need to have more satisfying snacks like nuts, although you, you, you can, it's easy to go overboard with those, but they're more satisfying and more satiating right. than something like chips or pretzels. Right. That's a good point. So planning, yeah, just being more deliberate about all your snacks and your meals outside. It sounds like you are before your run, but not after. Totally. What do you feel about, like, do you have any thoughts on snacks versus meals? Not like in a total exchange, but oftentimes, um, part of me thinks I should eat bigger meals because it's easier for me to be intentional, intentional about a meal. A snack feels like, like a quick moment in time that I like then forget about and have the next snack. But like, I only have one lunch a day. So like, I'm able to be some martyr about lunch, but I'm not sure if that's the best approach. Yeah, that's a good question. It depends on you, you know, Mm -hmm. like what works for you. And I mean, what you really want to avoid. And the only reason to snack, in my opinion, is to avoid being really hungry. Okay. So that's interesting. So you don't think like, like in a perfect world, if you had the right size meals and like kind of, you know, calculated the meal into what you might do that day, you would not snack at all. Well, it depends. I mean, if you're like, I wouldn't go, if you're like a late eater, for instance, for Mm -hmm. dinner, like I wouldn't go from noon until 8 p.m. without food. Right. Just because I know that by the time I got to dinner, I'd be starving and be making bad decisions. Right. I see. So, but, you know, in an ideal world, we'd all wake up at seven, have breakfast, have lunch at noon, and then have dinner at like 630, you know, in which case snacks might may or may not be appropriate. But yeah, generally, uh, if you can have more satisfying meals, that's better, especially if they're very high quality components. Got it. That's interesting. Because I think that, because I never go, like I eat so frequently. Um, So the idea of like 12 to eight without food is like, like we can wash that out of like, that's like never going to happen unless I'm trapped <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and then I'll like barter for food. Cause like that doesn't happen. Unless I'm trapped. Uh, <laughs> I picture you like stuck in a bathroom being like, Oh my God, I'm so hungry. Yeah. I'll be Somebody like, you come. can keep me in here. Slip, slip a cliff bar underneath. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah. No, it's like, you know, I'm the type of person where like, if I go on a work trip for a week, the office snacks pile up because like, I'm not there to deplete them on behalf of my entire office. So I'm a huge snacker. So maybe that's the answer is to, I actually recently did this like two week kind of vegan ish cleanse. It was like a vegan plus no nuts. And with that, like I was very intentional about my meals. And I didn't snack because like I didn't have like all the snacks at work were off the table. And for me, like off the table is like easier than like one snack. So that's interesting. But maybe it was partially because the meals were like intentional and more nutritious because I knew like with the vegan options, I had to pick ones. Like I couldn't just eat lettuce. Like that was very clear. Right. Because you couldn't snack. Right. Exactly. Because if I just ate lettuce, that's like not... I mean, I never would judge. That's like not even a thing. Like, <laughs> um, glad we agreed on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very hearty eater. Like, but like I would like you know I would prepare meals that had like lent- if I knew it because I knew I couldn't have meat. They would have lentils. They would have avocado. Like you know, it was like things that keep you full. And then I like would ignore snacks, which was like a rare reprieve for me and for my coworkers. Interesting. <laughs> That's good to know about yourself. 
Also, I'm curious, do you snack more when you're training? Yes, definitely. Because I have this, part of it is I set, I think I set the bar too high with what I think I can do. Like maybe the case is like, I should get, like, I'll go to the, like a chopped or one of those places and I'll get a salad and they'll say, do you want bread? And I'll be like, no, no, no bread for me. But then like, maybe if I just said yes to that bread, I wouldn't eat like the bag of popcorn and the bag of pretzels later. Cause like I'd feel fuller, like, but like at that moment, I'm like very like pious, you know, I'm very like, oh, I can be like the truest form of healthy, like in this decision point, ah. because I'm, you know, and I'm better at meals. Cause in, like for some reason, like I will never, like if you're at a restaurant, I'll never order like the most unhealthy thing. But if we share appetizers, like I crush them and I'll be like, let's see the dessert menu while we're talking, you know, but like my <laughs> own meal, my own meal is like salmon, you know, but then. So you restrict I, your eating a lot. I restrict my eating a lot, but not in like a way that's ba- like, I love salmon, but my, so it's like, I don't want the steak. Like I'm not interested in that. But you're not, but, but you're not having things you also want. Well, it's not even that I'm not having things I also want. I don't think I want this steak. Do you okay. know what I mean? Like I don't, but it's more the case that like, like I'm, a, I like somehow when it comes to like small things that appear like non-significant or shared or like, you know, are not mine and mine alone. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if it's in reach, I'll eat it. Cause I guess I'm very not mindful. Like, yeah. Also, it sounds like you're like, Moralize, you moralize some foods. Yeah, I probably I try not to, but I probably do. That's right. That's a really yeah. Like I think of myself. Like I give myself like points for being a healthy orderer. Right, but you get permission if somebody else orders it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That stuff doesn't sound very good. That's so funny. My husband does the same thing. You know what he does? <laughs> this, what? this cracks me up. Like, we'll I'll go to brunch and he'll get mm-hmm. like the eggs with salmon or something like super healthy. And then he'll order the waffles for the table. <laughs> like, that's, that's me. And that's then crush both dishes. <laughs> totally. Or I'll like kind of be like, I hope sometimes I'm that person, but sometimes I'm the person's like, I hope nobody orders waffles for the table. And then, you know, the people I'm with are like, just don't eat them. Like, if you don't want them, don't eat them. But like, I don't like, I don't have that. And I can't just have a bite. Like, I can't just be like, what, I wonder what those waffles taste like, as if I don't know what waffles taste like, and I'll have a bite. And then like, all of a sudden, the waffles are gone, I blacked out. That's yeah, the mindfulness sounds like it's probably right. The mindfulness that I actually use the term blacked out. (laughs) Yeah, that exactly. Good point. So Yeah. yeah, if you're, you know, it's funny, because what what comes with mindfulness too, and by the way, I am human and I have been at those amazing brunches with the waffles and inevitably now I'll like, if I take a bite, yeah, I'm like, ugh, like that's so sweet. And so like, I don't like it anymore. And but you used to, I used to. And, and also I used to do what you do. Like, even if I didn't like it, I would eat it anyway. Like, yeah. Cause I was so like, well, this is happening. And I would just, you know, yeah. turn my brain off and, and, you know, because it's it has like a the hyper palatability that they talk about, where it's sugar a certain blend of sugar, salt, and fat just makes your brain go more, 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 more. <laughs> and I would definitely experience that. And sometimes I'd be like, "Why did I even eat that? It wasn't that good." And now, you know, and it's funny because now that I've gone through that experience enough times, now mm-hmm. I know if I w- actually want it or not. So I'm actually it's a lot easier for me to not have it sometimes because I'm like, you know, I love what I ordered. Right. I've had that before and I know it's not that good. 
no matter what all those people are saying, they have bad taste. <laughs> when you say that, that sounds like opening a door to a world I don't live in that I think sounds really great. Like the idea that I could have the not willpower, but the actual opinion that like, I don't need to, like, I can taste it and decide I don't like it or that like, I don't even need to taste it because I have tasted it. Like, that's another thing, right? Like, it's not the case that every t- experience I have is like a brand new food experience. Like, I don't need to pretend that like, I've never had, like, if I'm at a Super Bowl party, I don't have to pretend I've never had cornbread before, right? Like, because <laughs> there's chili, like but, I could just eat the chili and decide how I feel about cornbread. Right, but the know? way you're acting right now is you're giving yourself, it's not that you've never had it before, but you're like, I have permission to have it now. <sighs> yeah. It's like a slight, subtle reframe. Yeah, I guess that's right. It's hard for me though. It's like the idea that I could just have a bite of it and then choose not to have more. Like that sounds like someone else's would have to like incept me. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever taken a bite of something and been like, actually, this isn't as good as I thought it was going to be and stopped eating it? Like if there was cilantro in it or if there was like just something (laughs) I like was repelled by. But unfortunately, like there's like, you know, if I like don't realize the bread ball has focaccia bread in it, which I just happen not to like, then I would take a step back. But like, no, like there's very few things that would fall into the category of like that salty fat thing you described that I couldn't be compelled to come around to. All right. And, and I, and I imagine, oh, and by the way, fun fact, Yes. <laughs> when you're training, you basically, on days you run, I mean, mm-hmm. especially if it's over an hour, yeah. like a six mile run or more, on those days, your blood sugar is, I mean, it's just demolished for the day, right? Like you're, you've used all your glycogen stores, your, your blood sugar is pretty low. And a, another side effect of that is not just that you're more hungry, but also that you have less willpower. Oh, interesting. If that's just like a, like, like a scientific makeup thing, like because I have less blood sugar, like I have like less brain power. Exactly. So what do I do then? Keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, I see. Keep in mind that like the will to eat the thing, whatever the thing may be, like it's not maybe. Like don't, like a- yeah. Like don't put yourself in situations where you have to make choices like that because you're going to not choose right. the right thing if right. on, on those days. Right. And that's the problem is that like, I am to some extent, like if I make a call, like I will not eat this, I will not eat that. I am good until I'm not about like maintaining that. But like when I'm running, I don't want to make that call. So I do have to have this other thing that might work like the mindful eating or the like, like that's a good, I didn't know that, that your, your actual willpower is down. It's subtle, but watch what, pay attention. Now that that you know, you'll, you'll start to notice, you'll be like, Oh, right. I made that horrible decision last night and it just happened to be on my long run day. And you know what's interesting is I... It's like you're drunk. (laughs) Yeah. I prefer to run at night, not because... A, I prefer, but B, because like there's less opportunity opportunity for me to like be run, like hungry, you know, like there's less... I can only like mess up so many hours of the day of like, you know, of like, I guess binge eating would be the right answer. Like... If it's in the morning, then I, sh- you know, if I wake up early and run and then I come to work and then like the whole day is ahead of me to eat. Yeah. So you subconsciously know this already. Yes. 
but it's like easier in my life because who knows, like, you know, I'm, I, I work in Europe. I might have to work late one day. I might have to meet a friend. Like I like in the morning is better to, you know, you're done. You've worked out. Right. Cause I don't have that problem. Like I know some people like who have this kind of like, I eat too, like, you know, I, I work, I like to work out. I love to run. Like, it's not like I'm battling like, oh, I just eat and I like don't know how to balance that. I just eat a lot of bread and don't do anything with it. It's more the case that like, I rile myself up and then I'm so hungry and I'm kind of aimless about it. Yeah. So this is, so another, like you were saying before with planning stuff out, like one way to combat that particular situation when you're, you know, that you'd be better mm-hmm. off at night running because you wouldn't be tempted all day, but practically you're going to be running in the morning. So a solution to that is to be very more, de- like a lot more deliberate about what you're going to eat afterward. So for example, okay. you know, you were saying some, you know, sometimes a salad's enough, sometimes it's not, you don't really know it. You need to figure that out. You need to figure out like, if I eat this, I can survive until my next meal. Mm-hmm. Or if I can't, I can have this snack in this like volume mm-hmm. and just eat that. And I will make it until nighttime <laughs> and just don't break that. Like make those like steadfast rules for training days. And I mean, I imagine that would cut like 400 calories out of a day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know minimum. I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess two things. I remember listening to another one of your podcasts and you said to this woman, like being hungry isn't the end of the world. And I remember thinking that was like such a revolutionary thought, like, cause like you don't mean that we're going to starve. You mean that like, so like you maybe like feel a little hungrier on the subway, like, okay, like it happened one time, like, and I remember thinking like, that's right. Cause like part of this whole negotiation that I do internally is like, well, I don't want to feel hungry, but it's like, if the worst case scenario of this experiment is that maybe like one day I feel a little hungry, like then the, just don't overcompensate next time. Just like try like an incremental change. And I thought that was like really interesting. So maybe I need to, to lean there. But yeah. the other. Oh, I was going to say a, a, a caveat to that is that yeah. what you don't want is to be hungry chronically. Right. Like if sure. you're having a situation where every day you're eating the same thing and every day you're hungry at four o'clock and dinner's at seven, right. that's a problem. It, but at that, yeah, you're right. That one time where you did an experiment and you ended up being a little too hungry, it's not the end of the world. Right. That's right. And I guess, I guess also like knowing myself, like there's no situation when I'm chronically hungry. Like I, that's not my, you know what I mean? Like that's not my person that like I'm an eater. So like it wouldn't never be chronic with me. Sure. I should just, I should just probably prepare to have food around me that I think is like better than like more nutritious or like in the right direction. I guess I wonder if what you're saying is like the idea of like, well, I figure out what I need to eat on those days and I eat it and I like limit myself to like set snacks, like. And don't eat things that are like super hyper palatable, like chips and pretzels and popcorn. (laughs) Things that it's easy to go from like 70 calories to like 600 in in 20 minutes. Like, yeah, in in the blackout. (laughs) Yeah, in the blackout. (laughs) But I guess I wonder, is like, is that too close to like, not mindful? Like, is that too close for me to be like, okay, well, I ate the 20 nuts that I thought was appropriate. Now I'm hungry, but... Ooh, this like, is another yeah. great question. Or like, maybe I didn't need 20 nuts that day. Maybe I was like full after nine nuts, you know, if I'm mindfully eating, but like, I felt like it was appropriate to eat all 20. You know, like, I wonder like how that meshes together. Cause I could see that being like a confusing thing for me. In Absolutely. Action. So one, so that's a really good question. So what you're talking about is when mindfulness is appropriate to use and when you should just rely on habit and routine. 
Yes. And you, the answer is you use mindfulness to set up your habit, habit and routine. Huh. And also that the days that you know your willpower is going to be depleted on particularly challenging days, mm-hmm. you want to rely more on habit and routine because habit and routine is generally going to beat mindfulness in terms of what you're going to stick with. Okay. So like for an example, like if let's say, because for me, the things that make me think I'll need more willpower are not necessarily the long runs, but like social situations after the long runs. A lot of my friends are runners or like very like into work, like, you know, being outside and that kind of thing. And it's not uncommon for us to like, go on a ski trip and everyone's like eating these big breakfasts before the ski trip. And I like, no, I don't really need that, you know, but like everyone around me is like, making these like, gigantic breakfasts and I eat them. And I like, you know, that sets me up just to be like, I don't know, like it doesn't, doesn't work for me, but like sometimes it's that, that does it like not my own. Does that make sense? Like it's not necessarily, like it's definitely partially the willpower of like, the mentality of like, after you work out, you are hungry, but it's also the case, like everyone else thinks that too. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about a trigger. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're triggered to overeat in social situations. Totally. And that is a thing. And that's why I was saying like, y- maybe you can overcome that when you haven't had a long run. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But that's hard. That's like something you have to like come up with a strategy for. Right. Because, you know, for social people, that's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like we've all sort of experienced that. Like there are, it's hard to, if all your friends are doing something and it's not something you hate, but like you don't need it and you wouldn't definitely wouldn't do it on your own, but you're sort of pushed through like with the tide to do this thing. It's challenging to come up with a a strategy to... Mm -hmm work around that for there was a there's a podcast episode and I'll link to it in the show notes of a woman who had dinner parties with her friends every Friday night. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard that one. And she was always overeating at these dinner parties and really wanted to stop because she didn't even enjoy it. <laughs> and yeah. and we we realized that it was like a trigger for her because of something in her childhood. Interesting. She, she like did this thing. And so what but once you're aware of it, then you can come up with alternative courses. Right. And, and, and build a habit that you're more comfortable with and that you're, you feel better about that's more aligned with your own values. But even if you can do that without yeah. will, with like ultimate, like that takes some willpower to come up with that new, new plan. If you're depleted, you have zero chance before you come mm-hmm. up with the plan. So that's, that's like what you're negotiating here. Right. And it's the double whammy. If it's not just a dinner party, it's like we all ran a half marathon, let's say. And then like everyone thinks that they want to eat a lot. So it's like, I'm this double reasoning of like, it's not just that we're eating because it's brunch on a Sunday. We all did this like thing that like deserves a replenish, you know, like that sort of thing. So I like kind of lose the sight of what I know I might need. And I like, you know, subscribe to this newsletter of like, oh, like after one does this, they, you know, need three breakfasts, not one breakfast. <laughs> I like that that's the newsletter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very compelling. The three breakfast <laughs> newsletter. Yes. Yeah, no, and that's 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 a real issue that makes it tough. And and I mean, when it for that sort of thing, you sort of have to decide for yourself if it's worth it. Because sometimes it is, you know, sometimes it's just, you just do the comrade thing and you have a good time and you don't worry about it and you do whatever feels natural. If you 
if like two hours afterwards you feel nasty and you really regret it and like you really wish you hadn't done that because now like your entire day's shot, you can come up with a strategy around it. But you don't necessarily have to if that's something you do every couple months. Sure. But if it's something you do every weekend, you definitely need to come up with a strategy yes. around it. I think that's right. I think because I don't obviously run, not obviously, I'm, I don't run a half marathon every weekend, but I often <laughs> on the weekends do like something athletic with a group of friends. And then the, you know, the night before, because we know we're going on this hard hike or because we know we're doing this, we eat a lot. Then in the morning, cause like it's, and it's this sort of like group mentality of, but I know that's not true. And one thing I remember not to be like overly, but like, I remember this thing you wrote or yeah, you wrote about home court habits. I remember thinking that is so true for me that like when I'm by myself and like, um, I'm getting married in June, I have a fiance and he like, uh, like when I'm, when he's for some reason not around, like, it's like I lose five pounds because like, I don't try, like, you know, we'll order Chinese food and I'll have chicken and broccoli, brown rice, sauce on the side. Like, but then he'll have dumplings and lo mein and he'll be like, do you want some dumplings? And then all of a sudden, not only do I have my like healthified dinner, I have that plus a whole other serving of unhealthy dinner. So like, for me, like, that's like the tricky, it's negotiating the social dynamic with not even social dynamic it's like the trigger of like that does look good but it's again not like i don't don't know what a dumpling tastes like i don't have to act like it's this like special experience if i know i don't need it so this is like a really good self-reflection you're doing right now because what you're telling me and what you're discovering is that people are a trigger for you yes and that's not bad but it can get it can work to undermine other goals of yours And so that's something to be aware of first. Mm -hmm. And then like kind of what we're doing now, develop strategies around how you can not feel like, how you can feel like you still get to have those experiences. Yeah, Because what makes those experiences special isn't the food, it's the person. Sure. And food is an element and you can still enjoy it, but you want to come up with a way to be able to do that on your own terms and not just as a reflex to whatever trigger happens to be happening and you matching bite for bite or meal for meal with a a person who weighs 40 pounds more than you. Right. Totally. And it's, it's tough because like, I reckon, you know, I'm like, well, one dumpling is fine. Like you run, you work out, like you don't have to be so hard on yourself, have a dumpling. And then it becomes like, how many dumplings are mine again? Like, is it half and half? Like it it, like changes (laughs) very quickly. Because I don't have like once it's like floodgates, like once I've started to eat the stuff, like I have a hard time. And I guess that's where I really do need the mindfulness hopefully will really help me because that's the whole problem. Because do I get like the incremental joy from the second dumpling? Like there's got to be like diminishing returns on that. But like I don't I'm blacked out then. So it's like hard to say. 100%. And that is exactly what mindfulness does. It'll help you decide what amount is appropriate. Great. It feels I, good. Yeah, I'm excited to try this. Cool. I think I feel pretty confident in saying that those two pieces of toast are not your problem. Great. And probably not the pasta the night before either. Probably not. It depends on how much pasta you're eating. But <laughs> check check the portion sizes and yeah. like like up against the box. So that's, that's right. and, and you know, people, I talk about not using willpower and not sort of being super stringent about food, but I do recommend understanding and weighing and measuring foods 
to get the awareness that you need mm-hmm. to, to sort of make these decisions on your own. And, and it's one of those things, it's, it's super not intuitive. That's why it's like, I, you can't just like look at a pile of pasta and guess how many calories it is. You know, it's right. really hard to do because they're all different shapes, all different things. And they're, they have, they're different sauces yeah. and stuff. And it's just really hard to do. So it's like, you sort of have to, if, if you want to get that sort of thing under control and know what the right amount is, you sort of have to be a little cautious um, and measure a little bit to know what you're doing. That's a good idea. And that way I won't have to question whether it was too yeah. much. I mean, granted, if you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't have to question. You can be like, this is a normal serving. I mean, if you're still hungry after a normal serving, by all means, like have more. But if you're like, oh, shoot, I'm eating three servings. I like had no idea. I would have been totally happy with half this. Totally. And I think I need to wait. Like there's that like pause moment before you like give yourself more. <laughs> yep. And like, I need to like have that. Another thing mindfulness will help with. Good. Good. Cause like, that's the problem. It's like, like if for some reason I'm like, it's not convenient for me to get more at the moment, I end up not wanting it. But like, if I'm like at a table and it's right there, I'll have like a million small spoonfuls more as opposed to just like whatever the appropriate amount of more would be. So then it's like, I, again, don't even know what happened. Right. Yeah. (laughs) This is the challenge you have. Excellent. And running certainly makes it harder, but I think it's because of the lack of willpower and the, and the extra hunger and the fact that you have so much unawareness around all these habits. But I think that you have a really good sense now of what you need to do and I'm sure you'll figure it out. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome and have a lovely wedding. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. Did you know that 97% of the beef for sale in the U.S. is grain-fed and processed in feedlots? Because of the crowded and often filthy conditions, these cattle are fed antibiotics to help prevent the spread of disease. It's also terrible for the environment. That's why, personally, I only eat meat that is grass-fed and humanely raised. Unfortunately, 100% grass-fed and humanely raised meat can be pretty hard to find, and that is why I love ButcherBox. ButcherBox sources the best meat from all over the world and delivers it directly to your door. They guarantee that the beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and never taken from feedlots. All their products, including their chicken and pork, which is especially hard to find uh, good quality pork, uh, are free of antibiotics and hormones. Plus, all their animals are humanely raised and enjoy free range. With ButcherBox, you have the peace of mind that you're eating healthy meat that is good for your body and responsibly raised. Order today and get $10 off plus some free bacon in your first box. Go to butcherbox.com slash foodist and enter the promo code tomato. And I can tell you from experience, their bacon is to die for, like super, super stellar. You'll also get free shipping in the continental United States and fabulous step-by-step recipes with every box. If you've been following my work for a while, you know how rarely it is that I promote products. That's because I only share things with you that I personally believe in and use. ButcherBox is one of those rare unicorns, and I'm thrilled to be able to share them with you today. Again, to sign up, go to butcherbox.com slash foodist and enter the promo code tomato to receive $10 off and free bacon in your first box. Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose, and if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without 
dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.